Can we name them all in order? The doctors, yeah. yeah go on. Can we, but should we? <laughs> <laughs> or should we just get on with the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are John Harbin, Ian McLaughlin, Peter Johnson, Dan Watkins, and I'm Hazel Chandler. Today we are breaking the formula and shaking things up a bit with the introduction of a brand new format. We're calling it Something Old, Something New. The Something Old is a, is a discussion of a film that means a lot to all of us, Jurassic Park. And the Something New is the latest Star Wars show, Ashoka. That's how you say it. Ashoka. I barely knew her. <laughs> <laughs> More humour in that line than in the first four episodes of Ashoka. <laughs> True. Before that, we'll have some quick fire recommendations of what we've been enjoying recently. And to wrap up, Dan has a very macho quiz for us. Macho, macho, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> so let's start the show. Is this going to be like New Coke when they changed the formula and then everyone kicked off and we rapidly went back to the I'm old one? i letters. <laughs> letters would be impressive, given that we've never given out a physical address. Oh, they can find us, Dan. Can they? Yeah. yeah. If John's been in most of our listeners' homes... Oh, that's yeah, true, yeah. Think uh-huh. They can work out how to find us. <laughs> one by one. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have Dan and Ian back with us, not seeing you guys for a while. Hi. 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 Nice to be back. <laughs> I've been listening. Mm-hmm. Not not generally, just to the podcast. Yeah. Just the episodes I'm not on. <laughs> I did just wonder why there was that bug in the corner of the room. Uh, enjoyed the discussion of what you've been enjoying at the Fringe. Mm-hmm. What was the worst thing you saw at the Fringe? Probably the show I went to check out at our venue <laughs> to see what the sound levels were like. Is that not good? I did leave halfway through because I felt I'd checked the sound levels enough and didn't have to sit through the rest of the show. Wow. We saw a play that shall remain nameless that we absolutely hated and thought was one of the worst things we'd ever seen. And our friend was going to see it the next day and we're like, oh, that's a shame. Should we tell her? Should we, you know, give, us, give her a warning? Maybe she'll go see something else. Decided not to. Then we got a message from our list going, that play's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's one of the wow. best, my favourite things I've seen on the finish. There's, there's no accounting for taste. Mm. What's the lesson in that, John? Probably don't listen to John's recommendations. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Although yeah. yeah. <laughs> me, me and Louise both agreed on it, so we were, it was not an, not an aberration. So quite a lot to get through today. Should we start with some quickfire recommendations? Uh, where should we start? Who's been enjoying something we think they want to talk about? I could talk about men very briefly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, enjoying, I have been enjoying men recently. <laughs> Louise, I have something to tell you. By <laughs> the medium of the podcast. <laughs> She just dropped her eggs in Sainsbury's. She's like, I always knew. <laughs> I thought you meant something else. <laughs> this is because Louise does the shopping while she listens. Yes. Mm. So we were, just as I as said, we were babysitting some kids this weekend because our friends were at a wedding. We had lots of fun. I let them watch Total Recall and the 11 year old thought it was the best thing he'd ever seen. That's guaranteeing you'll never be allowed to do it yes. again. <laughs> Man. So, yes, Men is Alex Garland's new film, which kind of disappeared without trace in cinemas. So Alex Garland, who obviously did Ex Machina and Annihilation and wrote Judge Dredd. And I think, did he write The Beach, the original book? Yeah, he way, book. way back, yeah. yeah. Devs on mm. TV. So Men is essentially a two-hander. It mainly stars Jessie Buckley, who is a city girl who, following a tragic accident, perhaps, goes to rent a cottage in the countryside for the week to try and get over the trauma and recover and have, have some meat time. She is greeted by the Airbnb owner, who is played by Rory Kinnear. It's slightly creepy, slightly odd. The next morning she goes for a walk and finds a nude man following her, also played by Rory Kinnear. It soon transpires that every single male character other than one is portrayed by Rory Kinnear in a not-too-subtle allegory for all men are the same. All mm. <laughs> uh, right. It gets creepy, it gets weird, and then it just goes batshit crazy, and I, I absolutely loved it. Louise didn't enjoy it. Well, that's an understatement. She said <laughs> yeah. it's one of the most disturbing, horrific things she's ever seen. Yeah. And she lives with John. 
But it is horrific and disturbing, but for a reason. And the allegory of how horribly men treat women and how women should be scared of men, unfortunately, is very played out. It's very Cronenbergian in that extent where, you know, you would have some sci-fi or horror that talks about human condition in, in an interesting way. It was much more of a horror film than I expected, um, much more than the trailers perhaps suggest. I said the last half hour is dark, but it's great. And it's such a shame that it didn't do very well. It got kind of mixed reviews. It's not subtle. <laughs> you know, the, uh, you know the, the central conceit is fairly clear, but the performance of great Rory Kinnear in particular portrays about 10, 12 different characters and there's never any confusion and they're all very you know clearly painted. It's on Amazon Prime, and I would highly recommend it if you've got a strong stomach. Nope. <laughs> Could I'm, not I'm, be less my film. Yeah, I think I'm out. Yeah. How, so how many men out of ten? <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Uh, two and a half men out of ten. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would give it an eight out of ten. I, I would say you would find it horrible and revolting, but you would appreciate, like the, appreciate the, the premise. Of the, the, appreciate the yeah. premise and what it's trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Hmm. I think I appreciate the premise without having to watch it. <laughs> so I have just finished the second season of The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Um, and I think it is as good, if not better, than the first season, which I think I may have recommended it, just yes. over a year ago, yeah. something like that. Um, so The Lincoln Lawyer is Mickey Holler, and he's played by Manuel Garcia Ruflo. This is kind of off the back of a case in the last series that he's now become super famous. And he's enjoying his newfound reputation until it comes to bite him in the butt this season. The main case is he is representing a restaurant owner called Lisa Trammell. And before he comes to represent her, he had um, a bit of a, a bedroom-based experience with her, shall we say. She's on trial. Did he shug her? Yeah. <laughs> he put his penis inside her. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, she is on trial for murder and is accused of clubbering the head of a local entrepreneur. So as is the case of the last series, there's an A plot, uh, which is this trial. And then there's various B plots where basically Mickey gets to show off how good a lawyer he is or how good he is at finding loopholes. So I, I just I really, really enjoyed it. I think um, the lead character is great. The lead performance is great. Um, the supporting characters this time get much more to do, which is good news for anyone who's a fan of Lorna and Cisco. This is Cisco from that song. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's spelt like the company. Okay. <laughs> um, the only thing I didn't like is that uh, Neve Campbell, again, doesn't really get much to do. And in fact, in this series, kind of disappears halfway through, which is a, a massive shame. Because I think if you have, if you cast Neve Campbell, you want to put the spotlight on her. But, you know, she's just a bit character in this one. But yeah, otherwise, really, really compelling. It's really easy to follow as well, which is good for people like me, even though it keeps twisting and turning. I can still be like, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know which piece of evidence they're talking about. And yeah, it's 10 episodes, really e easy watching, really compelling. Um, stick I'm it about on. about halfway through and yeah, I'm enjoying it now, but I agree it's better than the other series and I was fine with the other series. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think so. He seems more comfortable and I don't know, oddly enough, better looking. <laughs> I can't work out why that should be. He's got more of a swag this yeah, time. Exactly. Just more, he's, yeah, exactly. He's sort of, um, in, well, he's still dealing with inner demons this, mm. this season, but I think his journey is progressing quite a lot from having a bit of lack of confidence for, for legitimate reasons in the first series. But now everything's kind of going to mm. his head. He's appearing in Time magazine and things like that. And yeah, there's just a bit more sparkle to his eyes. When you run out of those, um, perhaps try Will Trent that I know I suggested oh, to you in the past, yeah. which is broadly of the same sort of thing. It'll pr I suspect with these things, it'll depend how you, well you get on with the lead character. Yeah. Now, uh, how many lawyers from Lincoln out of 10? <laughs> um, I go high eight. Hmm. Yeah. High eight, so, so nine. <laughs> no, that would be nine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so a low nine. Uh, 8.9. <laughs> so... Uh, I recently saw the latest Pixar film just before it left cinemas, and that's Elemental. Oh, yes. And it is the story of Ember, who lives in Firetown, just outside Element City, which is populated by people made of water, made of earth, made of air, and in her case, made of fire. And her dad runs a shop. He wants her to take over the shop, but she is not great at retail work, dealing with customers. Her temper gets the better of her. One day, the pipes burst in the shop, 
and in bursts a guy called Wade who is made of water. And fire and water have never got on, but Ember and Wade find a friendship. And it's like Romeo and Juliet. It is like a Pixar rom-com. Ebony and Ivory in that Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder song. Uh, they don't quite get along in perfect harmony, no. but they start to figure each other out and realise that actually fire and water can get along and having a temper is not necessarily a bad thing and maybe running a shop is not what she has to do and they help each other out. They form a friendship. It becomes a little bit uh, romantic and a little bit meet cute and there's to, lots to, to of good... Get a bit steamy. Hey. There are some steam jokes. <laughs> yeah, uh, There are lots of jokes based around... Elements. Elements, yeah. yeah. Air and water and wind and all that sort of thing. There's a character called Gale. She's made of air. For me, um, it seemed to be kind of confused with the other things Pixel's been doing recently over the last couple of years. And that's probably why it's found it hard to kind of land mm. and be noticed. Yeah, it, like Soul and whatever the one in their brain was. Yeah. Isn't there this weird narrative that it's been a flop and that's not actually correct? Not at all. It didn't have... A super amazing opening weekend, which in 2023 internet speak means a flop. Mm -hmm. It's actually made, I think, between 400 and 500 million over a couple of months, which, you know, back in years before this one, before a film like Jurassic Park would stay in the cinema for a couple of months. We're going to talk about that later. And people would keep going to see it. You'd have good word of mouth and people would go. These days, if you don't make 100 million by day three, you're a flop. Yeah. Hmm. This has made its money back and more because people have been watching it and enjoying it over a whole summer. Mm -hmm. So the narrative's there now, but it's not actually true when you look at the figures. Mm -hmm. And it is, a, it is a good film. I think it's easier to follow than things like Soul or Inside Out is the pinnacle of these quite high concept Pixar films. Mm -hmm. This one... Earth, air, fire, water. Fire, hot-tempered, bad moods. Water goes with the flow. It's quite hey. easy to, to pick up. That I'd probably compare it more to Zootropolis slash Zootopia, I the like Disney that. film. That's a good one. Where it's all animals and in the is, city. It's, it's quite similar. It's branded as Disney Pixar. Does yeah. that mean it is Pixar? or it... it is Pixar, but Disney own Pixar now. Yeah, but so they, they want could to still have just you. called it Pixar. They, they could have, but they don't mm. want to do that. We are Because if it's thing. a hit, they want the credit. Yeah. <laughs> we are literally the only piece of entertainment media Disney doesn't own. Well, actually, <laughs> I did, we did get an email from Bob Iger a couple of it minutes were. ago. Yeah, we, we are now to Disney nerd first. didn't realise we're not on strike. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it. Had a good time. Uh, went to a lovely independent cinema in the Lake District called Zeffirelli's, yeah. which I this recommend if you're This is your wedding in, anniversary choice as well. It was, yeah. So it was it our be, anniversary film. Must mm. be something special to you, like the, the choice of Pixar. Yeah, it, mm. it was nice. We saw a Pixar film the day we got engaged. Mm. We didn't see one on the wedding day. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we watched Mulan. You were doing other things. Uh, <laughs> getting married. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we decided, what, what should we do? It's a lovely sunny day in the Lake District. Let's go and watch a film. <laughs> and we did, couldn't so. think of a better idea yeah but it will be on disney plus by the time you listen to this so well worth checking out this reminds me of a game that peter wrote many years ago oh that yeah i remember seeing the the, the early version of it peter made a game this be morph where basically you could change from solid to liquid oh, i played that back in the day yes yeah that one yeah. of yours yes yeah yeah so, yeah, you could turn into uh, water and go down through a grill or into steam and move up mm. through things or into a bouncy ball uh, and get to higher things or turn yourself into a big steel cannonball and smash your way through things. Physics! Yay! Yay. <laughs> How many elements twice plus another two of your favourite ones on top out of ten? Elements twice plus... Four plus four plus two. Oh, uh, the... Four plus four, but not the two. So another eight out so of ten. So it's another eight out of ten. Ah. But you're talking about like football thingies. Uh, I don't classic four, 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 two. four two, I yeah. Know. <laughs> I, maths. <laughs> Peter, what you got? Well, I was thinking of talking about a thing called One Piece, which I've been watching recently, which is uh, a, a new costume. <laughs> yeah, it's a manga based on being a pirate. And it's completely insane. But I think it probably warrants a proper talking about in a review episode. So I think I'll keep that for that. But I have been watching the very latest What We Do in the Shadows mm -hmm. at American Pace. I'm just finished the fifth season. 
and I think it's really, really developed over the years. And the characters are really so much warmer and more accomplished. And I love the way it feels like someone that's just cobbled together and like it was made for buttons. And then all of a sudden they'll throw in some effect that must have cost lots of money to do or go to a set. It's all been purpose built and it sort of slightly belies that shambolic image. I just think it's really working well. The only character I don't like so much who I'm not sure if it's been introduced here yet is blonde hair she's quite a well-known female comic not the Kristen shell character it is actually yeah. oh right yes because she's been in a couple of seasons and is one of the reasons why i struggled with the most recent one that's been shown over here yes um, yeah, yeah she was fine as a bit part cameo but they've kind of made her part of the main crew and she doesn't really work for me and to some extent they're just giving her attributes they were given to guillermo mm. and she's kind of replaced that but in a less charming way mm-hmm but I think the rest of it is really good and it really knows what it is and how to, how to be itself. Yeah. As a, another thing that I felt the most recent one that's been shown over here was Colin Robinson had been turned into something that was not quite his mm-hmm. full self. I think by the end of that season, he was himself again. Yeah. And hopefully the quality's improved with him as part of the gang again because they missed not having him about. Yeah, I agree with that. And if anything, he's a much better character now than he was at the start of the show, back in his first and second Mm -hmm. seasons. Is there anything at the level of the Jackie Daytona episode with Mark Hamill in it, which is probably one of my favourite episodes of TV comedy of any show? If you haven't seen that one, it is amazing. It can be watched by itself, but it is Matt Berry at his absolute best. Probably nothing I can divulge. (laughs) (laughs) That's a shame. We rewatched that one episode every couple of months because it's just amazing. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's really good. If you even half like it, I think you'll like it more as it develops and as they learn what they are and how to do it. That is encouraging. Despite having Taika Waititi in it, which Andy isn't here to complain about. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear him from here. No. (laughs) I once saw a documentary called What We Do in the Shadows and it was mainly about providing backing music to Cliff Richard. <laughs> Finger on the pulse there, John. Yeah. <sighs> and the zeitgeist That's good. Yeah. yeah. 70 years of work, that. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Still haven't quite got it right. <laughs> so, Peter, how many bats out of 10? I would give it an eight and a half. Oh, I think. Half, half a bat. Is that a mm. nine or an eight? Is Don't that a start. high eight? 8.9. 8.9. It's a middling eight. <laughs> Ian, anything that you want to share before we go all Jurassic? Uh, yes, it's kind of a, it's, well, honestly, it's an unrecommendation. Oh, a recommendout. Yeah, but I mm. recommend you watch it for various reasons. I'm going to recommend you watch Old, the latest movie by M. Night Shyamalan. M. Shite Snail Man. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Shyamalan's latest offering, with a script probably written on the back of a beer mat, was adapted from the graphic novel Sandcastle by P- Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. Here's the premise. A hapless group of holiday heaven-seeking tourists are invited to a private beach. It's unspoilt, idyllic and perfect. White sand, wide open bay, deep blue seas. What could possibly go wrong? Sounds lovely. Mm. Mm. But of course there's a catch. And there's no spoilers here because the premise is made clear in the, like, the first six minutes of the movie, so that's fine. It turns out the local geology, probably like magnetism or some science shit, means that <laughs> the space that you're, living, you're in, the beach, has time sped up. And one hour is like a couple of years in the group's life. So they live out their lives in one day. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? You go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's, uh, first of all, it's terrible in a draw-droppingly but amusing way. The cinematography looks like they've let a two-year-old child push the camera around while they wave Haribos at it, hoping it'll move it in the right direction. Oh, is it shaky cam? Oh, oh no. Not even shaky. Oh. It's just, just, it moves on tracks and oh, it, you have to see it to believe it. The okay. camera work is unbelievably bad. And it's got some of the most ridiculous exposition. So like 12 minutes in, we're on the beach. Someone goes, oh, I have an idea. I think we're on a beach where time is sped up. And we're going to live our lives out in one day. <laughs> so just like you'd read the back of the oh, DVD box. Oh, just unbelievable. Uh, uh, the actors are trying really, really hard to make something out of an awful script that's like, it's, it's like a script that's like a, a bad script for a new chewing gum advert. But even they can't make it come out like minty fresh because they're trying so hard, but it's, te- it's absolutely terrible. And the film also convinces you that you're psychic because you know what's going to happen well beyond, <laughs> well before the characters do. <laughs> 
And it's a, it's a genuine what the fuck shouting at the screen movie. But you want to watch it to the end just to, to, to confirm that it's a lolloping turd of a movie. Uh, and it should be on the curriculum of every film school ever. To, how not to. How to not to make a movie. I highly recommend or unrecommend Old by M. Night Snailman. How much oh. did you feel you aged after watching it? I was at least a thousand <laughs> by the end. <laughs> not a fan then. It, it is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. He's not having a good run, is he? He's not, yeah. sadly well, enough. And of heard, course, heard heard good things about Knock at the Cabin. Oh yes, and um, yeah. a series like servant that. on yeah. Apple TV is supposed to be quite good, but I've not watched. Yeah, it. Yeah, we gave up after two seasons. But oh. um, no. <laughs> maybe not. Knock, Knock at the Cabin has a good premise, yeah. and okay. um, it's worth seeing. But also, Thanks. old is the movie that he had to fund himself. He didn't get the 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 studio's backing, so he funded oh. it off his own back, which is why he couldn't afford a cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting, but yeah, it's 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 just awful. It's it's awful in every kind of way, but beautifully funny, and you have to watch it to the end. I would say like he's a, f- a filmmaker who takes risks, and not all of them pan out. Most of them don't pan out. Them don't pan out right? Or a filmmaker coasting on something he made in 1995. Maybe. One of the two. Well, still a little. Did you not make that joke in the last episode? Mm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The best part of the movie is that about halfway through... Keeps getting funnier. You can just see in the actor's eyes, they're going, we were in a shit movie, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) You can just see it, just behind the eyes. And yet they can't rescue it. Bless them. So how many what the fucks out of 10? I'd give it a minus 97 what the fucks. Oh, wow. Out of minus one. How much do you feel you aged watching the film? Uh, I already said this, but at least 97,000 years. Good to know that my, my return to the podcast is... You can tell he's listening. Yeah, attentive. Yeah. <laughs> well, from the Valley of Despair, should we go up to a hill of uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful filmmaking? Mm. Yes. So, a hill of Triceratops poo. That wow. is a big fucking hill. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try out a new feature here uh, called Something Old, Something New. And initially we're going to take a beloved old film and talk about our experiences of it, talk about our favourite things within it and what it means to us. And then we're going to tackle something new after that. So, But just to be clear, we're not taking a beloved film called Old. No. It, this is Something Old, but it's not that old. That old. No. I mean, it's, it's about 20, it's about 35 <laughs> years old, but it's not that old. But the thing is that the film is old, like you say, was it 30? Uh, well, uh, sorry, it's 30, 30 years ago 30 this year. 30 years ago, but yeah. it's still really, really fresh. It is. I watched it again this morning because I knew we were going to talk about it again. And mm. I just went, this is just genius. It's mm. such a beautiful, beautifully made movie. It really right. is. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Jurassic Park. I'm going to look over to my right hand side because Hi. this is your favourite film. If it were not for Star Wars, yes, it would be. But it has a huge sentimental place in my heart. Do you want to start us off there? What does it mean to you? When I was a little kid, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. There's old home video footage of me at about the age of four being able to name Pachycephalosauruses and things like that. So I, I loved dinosaurs. Well, I'm not surprised. This film You've came... never watched this footage, have you? <laughs> no, um, of course I haven't. I've been told about it. Uh, but when I was six, Jurassic Park came out and we went to see it. It was me, my sister, who was about three at the time, not scared by any of it somehow. Oh. Uh, parents and grandparents, big family cinema trip. It's one of the first cinema trips I remember. And there on the screen in front of me, they were alive. They were real. They were right there. They existed. There's not really anything that can top that kind of cinematic feeling of seeing kind of your dreams come true. Like, mm-hmm. Something that you could only dream about is happening right there in front of you. That's what Steven Spielberg does in this mm-hmm. film. It's probably my favourite scene of any movie. It's the bit where they first see the dinosaurs. Yeah. That's yeah, I wrote down. Yeah. I wrote that down so too. It's, <laughs> it starts with them driving up. John Williams' music starts to build. You get the sense that something amazing is about to happen by the way Sam Neill reacts. He, he stands up, he takes off his sunglasses, the music swells. I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> describing it. And you see the Brachiosaurus with music just hitting the peak. And it, yeah. the way Spielberg lets that camera just slowly pan across it is stunning. It's so beautiful. Every character 
reacts absolutely perfectly. I love the way that Sam Neill like puts his hand on Laura Dern's yeah, head and swivels yeah, it. Yeah, because <laughs> because she's so obsessed with the plant life that she's seeing, she's not even noticed, which is perfect for Ellie's character. Yeah. You see Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm, break his cool. He's been so collected and so, yeah, I'm beyond this. I'm I'm over all of this. Even he has to go, you crazy son of a bitch, you did it. Yeah. The lawyers just think about how much money he can make. Rich Dattenbrit is like, ha I have actually done yeah. it. Mm. And every aspect of every part of the filmmaking in that scene is absolute perfection. And what's really clever about it is, is the yeah. bits before with the utter disappointment. They go into mm -hmm. the park and they can't see anything. In this yeah. little, little car, and there's nothing happening. Mm -hmm. There's no dinosaurs. So you get this sort of sense of disappointment. And then suddenly, boom, mm -hmm. it's all yeah. there. And it's like, it's not like a slow reveal. It's like, here they are. Yeah. All the dinosaurs right in front right of you right now. Mm -hmm. It's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 30-year-old CGI, but it still looks all right It does, doesn't it? It still yeah. stands still up. I was going to say, I think because I think that's pretty much the only sequence where the CG does let it down a bit. Mm. You can see on the dinosaurs, the skin looks very low resolution. Because I think generally the effects throughout the film are, are mm. held up amazingly. The way they've blended models for a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Far more of its models than people probably realised at the time. You know, they built huge dinosaur heads and standing up models and all sorts of things. Which I think is why it's going to hold up better even in another 30 years than any of the CG heavy sequels. Because mm -hmm. those models look as real as they did. Yeah. I, I like how he mirrored the long anticipation and then the wondrous reveal of the... Um, Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. And he mirrored that in the long anticipation of the T-Rex mm. with the, obviously the glass and the water That's shaking. the iconic one, isn't it? Yeah. The, the goat yeah. as well, yeah. like yeah. being lowered and lowered and lowered. They but make you wait for it. They make you wait for like what happened to that goat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't see what happened yeah. to the goat. Well, I suppose well we, we see the aftermath of the <laughs> material being shredded. Yes, we see a little yeah. chain dangling from a mouth, yeah. I think. And we obviously care about the goat through the little kid as well, who's yeah. a vegetarian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, then the sheer terror of the fact that they've made a fucking T-Rex. Yeah. That's classic Spielberg, isn't it? Just that, yeah. that little ding, vibrating ding, water yeah. on the mm. dashboard of the car. It yeah. gives so much terror to the thing. You've known it was coming, but you know it's going to be terrible. You can feel it coming yeah. before you see it yeah. coming. And yeah. then you build it up in your brain as to what it could be. But your whole body is feeling the terror before your eyes do. It was also the first movie with digital sound. I was going to say, it was the first one with THX, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So that let them have that sort of really low bass. Yeah. Things, which must have been weird when you brown sound, I think they call it, don't they? Like, <laughs> I hope I not. Mean, the that, sound of the that's sound what of makes the you roar. literally crap yourself. Well, yeah, the literally yeah. thing, yeah. just the rumbling. You can't yeah. hear, but you can just feel. You can sense in some way that yeah. it gave it such a. Does anyone else want to share when they first saw it? How old are you? Can you remember first time? Too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Can you? Yeah. I have seen it so many times as yeah. well. I'm now. Guessing you didn't have all of the toys and the bed sheets and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> Weird things watching it again. Um, last time I watched it, I was amazed at how scary it was because yeah, I'd forgotten it is, that it's a truly a horror yeah. film. There's a few jump scares. Yeah. Like, remember, like the hand appearing on Ellie's shoulder, yes. and she's like, "Oh, thank God!" Oh, and then it's like this <laughs> dismembered. It's like, "Oh my God." Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a really, really it is. scary it's a, film. And it was a surprisingly uh, adult movie. I mean, you, if you think about the, uh, you know, the, the infamous toilet eating scene. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it, it doesn't shy, people doesn't shy away from that. Yeah. You see a bloke being ripped off a toilet and swallowed by yeah, a dinosaur. But, and it's pretty damn scary, isn't it? In fairness, he was a lawyer. Yeah, no, yeah, obviously deserved it, but, but as a kid, you must have been absolutely determined. You know, actually, you're seeing the thing, not like with a goat, you don't really see what happens, but this, it's like, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to show you what exactly what happens. It was incredibly adult for a family movie. And with the raptors, they're very frightening yeah. as well. They're built up to be From scary. Start, yeah. And then when you get to that shot of Lex eating the green jelly and you see that shadow just move yeah, behind the yeah. backdrop <laughs> behind her, it's like, oh no, this is going to go badly. What, what, what does the hunter carry say? Does he go, oh, you clever girl? Clever girl. Clever yeah, girl. Clever girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they've hunted him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, all the supporting characters yeah. are really good, really well developed. You've got Muldoon, the game warden, who doesn't trust the raptors and knows that they've been trying out the electric fences. You've yeah. got Dennis Nedry with his computer abilities running the entire park from a single PC. You've got Samuel L. Jackson. Even Dodgson, who appears in one scene, is memorable enough that I can still remember his name. Yeah. What I think is really important as well is that the central female character, Laura Dern's character, Ellie, is really well drawn. Mm -hmm. So she's a paleobotanist. 
She's incredibly clever. And she, she takes on the challenge before Dr. Grant does as well. Mm. She's, she's like, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, she's the first one to put her whole arm in the pile of shit. Well, <laughs> all the men are like yeah. standing around going, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's towards the end of the movie and um, the electricity has gone off and mm. they need to obviously turn it back on. And Hammer's like, well, I should, I should probably go and do that. And she's like, well, I think, oh, because of my gender. <laughs> and she just rolls her eyes at him and just, all right, I'll go. You know, it, it, I think she's a really well-drawn character. Well, there's, there's the, the bit in the, um, just before the big reveal of the dinosaurs, when, um, was it, Ian Malcolm is yeah. uh, explaining chaos theory to her yeah. and flirting with her. And even though she's this incredibly intelligent, blah, 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 she can't help just quite sort of go, melty a bit, because he's like, so charismatic. <laughs> I mean, I would. I would. <laughs> yeah. But she gets that great women inherit the earth line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah really well, brilliantly drawn character. Yeah. Brilliant character. Speaking of little characters, I remember one of the times going back and seeing it again and I'd forgotten Samuel L. Jackson was in it because he's not Hold being Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. It, in his career, it's not where he's become essentially always just playing a version of this yeah, one this character. Is, this yeah. is a year before Pulp Fiction. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. yeah it is. I think he was kind of a jobbing actor at the time, wasn't mm-hmm. he? He was a no one, but he yeah. wasn't... He's been in Do the Right Thing yeah. before that, and obviously some other stuff, but great casting. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to talk about the, the kitchen scene. Of course, mm. yeah. yeah. It's just such a... I mean, that's Terrifying. such a brilliantly crafted, storyboarded scene of thrilling, isn't it? You know, when they're, they're hiding in the kitchen and you get the, the, the raptor's nose up against the... A glass and it goes, you get the steel glass, mm. and it opens, it learns how to open a door. Yeah, and yeah. suddenly these two kids in this kitchen with mirrors everywhere, and it's like this mm. incredible chase. Oh, it's really loud kitchen equipment, pots yeah. and pans. Yeah. Well, again, the, the, the sound design, I think it's because mm. we're talking about the THX thing, suddenly it was like blasting through. So, like, even, even sound was a terrifying noise because you'd know what's coming from next. Yeah. When you first hear the T Rex make its sound, mm-hmm. the noise that it makes, you go, Oh my god, I'm so scared. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, do, do we have a favorite dinosaur in the film? Emmy always covers her eyes at the Dilophosaurus, the one with the frills who spits the venom in oh, the right, place. Yes. Then yeah. she doesn't. She doesn't like that one. I remember that one on the ride. Has anybody been on the Jurassic Park ride yeah, in um, Universal Studios? There was a bit where that jumps out and sprays water in your face. That's <gasps> quite fun. Mm. My favourite still probably is the Triceratops, and because yeah. when they. Li- Lying over and the breath in, and it's like, oh, it's just a beautiful moment. And it's like, what a lovely creature. And then, of course, it's a bit sad. She's not well, but she's okay. She's okay. Gone to live on just a farm. No, (laughs) she was fine. She was fine. There's a sequence where you watch uh, a dinosaur being born and breaking its way out the yes, egg and things. Yeah, a baby raptor. And when we went to the Universal Islands of Adventure that John just mentioned, my son was probably five or six, maybe. And he thought it was real. Fucking genuinely idiot. was convinced it <laughs> oh, was real John. and thought he'd just seen a dinosaur be born oh, oh. stupid child <laughs> 16 did you say 15 or 16 <laughs> and this, you were allowed to look after children this weekend yeah. something that, about the film that I just love and it's, it's the humour in the film and my favourite piece of humour is when the dinosaur I think it's a oh god Dan correct me oh. the, the dinosaur with a cold Brachiosaurus. Thank again. you. Yeah. Sorry. Bra- it's just because I can't say it. A Brachiosaurus, and he, uh, he sneezes under yes. Lexi, and the kid goes, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite bit. That just touches me that, so much. That girl's really unlucky. She was attacked by giant worms about two years before. <laughs> in tremors. And what I also love is the closing shot of the movie. They've escaped all of the peril. They're in the helicopter looking out the window and you see a flock of birds flying and that's kind mm-hmm. of the future of dinosaurs. It's lovely sort of, yeah. a lovely point towards what's coming. But also yeah. then kind of opens the movie up for number two. Number yeah. two. Yeah. Can we talk about the music? Yes, please. Because it's amazing. It is. It, it's one of, probably one of John Williams' best scores. I was going to say not, it's my favourite soundtrack of all time. Have you heard it with a live orchestra? About two weeks after this episode goes out, we are going to see the film yeah. with a live orchestra for the 30th anniversary. Mm. Uh, you to see a film exciting. with a live orchestra? How much, how much have you spent on tickets? Well, there must be about 30 or 40 of them. Just imagine a Dan leading them all. Wah, and they're all sat there in their tuxedos. Yeah. yeah, just at the Odeon. <laughs> just, just going to put the silver link. Just some people close behind. Just, just, for me. just around your house in your living room with a whole orchestra in <laughs> Yeah, it's sent me back a fair bit, but it's going to be worth it. It'll be worth it every yeah. moment. Uh-huh. Talk about the music. So, uh, uh, that scene we talked about before with the main Jurassic Park theme 
you've got it enhancing every scene it's part of. Like Spielberg and John Williams have always worked very well together. And this is probably one of the peaks. I mean, John has just said it's his favorite movie soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you could just listen to the score by itself and you can see those images in your Mm -hmm. head. You know which part of the film you're at. It makes it bigger. It makes Mm -hmm. it more important. I don't know know how to describe it. It just adds to the impact. It's Mm -hmm. what a movie score should be. Yeah. Absolutely. I still remember because I've still got the original Star Wars um, double album. And you can listen to any any one of the bits of music in that and you know exactly where in the film and you can mm. visualise it. Yeah. I remember being a kid, I got the, the, the double Star Wars album and it was the uh, it, it was the escape from Moss Eisley. They'd have their first battle and Luke gets on the guns for the first time. It's a brilliant piece of music. And I used to sit on my bed as a kid. I just imagine I was in the Millennium Falcon shooting guns and shooting things down, even though even knew when the, the battle was over. Just because of the music. It's mm. just it's just he is the greatest film composer, I think, of all time. Yeah. Yep. I went to see a concert of all of John Williams's scores, one after the other, Superman, Jaws, Jurassic Park. It's just the best experience. But how much better is it than all of its sequels, this movie? Weirdly, the first time I had any exposure to Jurassic Park was Jurassic Park 3. (laughs) I saw Jurassic Park 3 before Jurassic Park. I actually have a lot of fondness for Jurassic Park 3 because... I, I saw it in the cinema uh, and I thought it was like, oh, God, dinosaurs, they're really good, aren't they? Is that the one that kind of builds up to a big climatic battle that doesn't happen? Yeah, kind of. Kind of I just remember it being like a big damp squib at the end. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is a bit of a damp squib. Um, I've got a lot of time for two and three again, mm-hmm. because when the second one came out, I, I was 10. I was old enough to buy into all the hype and buy all the merch as well. When three came out, it was one of the first films I remember having a fancy website, which mm. had a kind of flash game where you could explore the island a little bit, and then the screen would get these three big claw marks through it because a dinosaur yeah. had attacked it. Yeah. Um, so went to see those multiple times, had the video, watched it a lot. I've got a lot of fondness for them. I like Jurassic World at the time. Um, on, on a rewatch, it does not hold up. My thoughts mm-hmm. on the second one of those are well known, and I've never seen yeah. the most recent one. Um, I and I don't intend to. Yeah, but you really the, shouldn't. I, I like two and three, but the, yeah. they're not on the level of the first mm. one. And I it, remember the second one being really dark. Oh, quite, quite. Poor Toby from the West Wing yeah. gets ripped to pieces. Really, it's a very slow death. He yeah. just keeps losing body parts. Yeah, is that the one, the one where it starts on 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 the beach with their family on like holiday yes. boat, and then yeah. all these little tiny little things? Uh-huh. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I think they eat Pete Postlethwaite as well. Do they? Mm-hmm. They do. Or is it Peter Stormare that they eat? One of them. One of the baddies. Yeah, one, one of the it, Peters. Yeah. Get one of the Peters. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> So the something new that we're going to be talking about is the new limited TV series featuring Ahsoka, one of the Star Wars characters on Disney+. Plus. I think there's three or four episodes out as we speak. Or as we speak. So uh, we're going to be talking about our early reactions, how it fits into the wider Star Wars universe, and what we're thinking so far. Dan, as the Star Wars aficionado, I'm going to look to you again to give us your initial thoughts and maybe give us some context as to where this character fits. I think I'm probably the only person around the table who has watched the animated series Rebels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ahsoka pretty much starts where Rebels finished and has taken several of its key characters and key storylines into live action. Ahsoka was also in The Clone Wars? She was. She was was created for The Clone Wars as the Padawan to Anakin Skywalker. Mm -hmm. She leaves the Jedi before the end of the Clone Wars, which is why you never hear her mentioned in the films, conveniently. Mm. Uh, Comes back to help the Rebels in Rebels, then crops up again in The Mandalorian, helping Baby Yoda find out his name, has a fight with a magistrate called Morgan Elspeth, played by Diane Ellie Inosanto. And in this series, Morgan has been freed from the prison that Ahsoka put her in and is doing some bad things to try and get Grand Admiral Thrawn back into the galaxy who was one of the big bads of Rebels and was also in some novels before that. I'm really enjoying watching this series with all these portentous discussions of characters that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, so they haven't done a huge amount of hand-holding to kind of put you in a, this is who these people are. I think there's an expectation that most people who are watching it have probably watched all of the Star Warses. 
And I don't think that's really the case. Yeah. thing to assume. Yeah. I think you can assume that most people who watch these TV series have seen all the live action Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big jump to say... You've watched 11 series of animation. Yeah. yeah. Particularly when a lot of... I mean, Rebels was on Disney XD originally, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So there was an expectation that it was a, a children's show. Yeah. And it's really good. And mm-hmm. there's loads of good stuff in there. It's as good as most of the good Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. And Braun in that series is very scary. And he is an excellent villain. He's played by the same actor who voiced him in the series. He hasn't turned up as we speak, but he's played by Lars, brother of Mans Mickelson. But blue, with red eyes and a fancy uniform. <laughs> Presumably. Yeah. The main thing I feel, though, is that we still don't know anything about her. Yeah. If, you watch, if you're coming in relatively cold to this, you feel you understood her better through watching a couple of episodes of The Mandalorian than you did actually understand about the character in here. She is the least interesting thing mm-hmm. in her own show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is such a shame. It's Rosario Dawson, and she's a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that the nature of Jedis is that they, they don't show emotion. Yeah, but the thing with her, and, and I don't want to be the person who keeps saying, well, I think you'll find her in the animated series. But <laughs> she, yeah, she, she was, yeah, <laughs> she was a lot more action-packed. She was yeah. a lot wittier. She was a lot quicker. She wasn't this slow, portentous, pause-after-every-line yeah. kind of character she is in this. On the clips that I've seen, the animated character seems to bear no resemblance. Much more full of life and yeah. joyful and excited. So, yeah, maybe it's, she's seen some stuff and done some things in the meantime. Things, man. But <laughs> it's not really translating as well. Mm. Probably the people who are still really enjoying her as a character are probably going off goodwill yeah. from mm-hmm. having yeah. known her for years through that. But if you take her by herself in this, she's just somebody who says something dramatic. Mm-hmm. And then about a minute later says something else. So were you really excited when they announced this series and how have your expectations been met since? I was more excited by the news that all of these live action films taking place around this time in the galaxy are going to lead into one big crossover film, Mm -hmm. which is going to bring the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and all these other characters mm-hmm. in together, presumably. You've already forgotten Boba Fett, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I had actually forgotten Boba Fett. I didn't watch the animated series as they were coming out. I probably, I think I watched them all when Disney Plus launched and just powered through them on commutes. I knew of her, but I wasn't excited to see her in live action. Mm. Expectations were fine, mm. and they are fine <laughs> still. <laughs> Probably more excited about the David Tennant droid making the leap to live action because I think he's brill. So David Tennant was in the series? He was in the Clone Wars. He is the droid who helps Jedi kids make their first lightsabers, which is a job he has done for apparently thousands of years. He somehow managed to not get blown up when all the Jedi Mm -hmm. got killed, and he's still around, which makes me really happy. Isn't his character design based on a Japanese samurai? Because it's got this sort of samurai hat, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, there was this relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine Ray. Is that the one with the fabulous hair? Yes, in the Star Wars. Yeah, well, this thing, like, I've seen one episode, and um, the only reason I would have kept watching is to see this one. It's like it's ombre hair. It's, it's, <laughs> it's black great. at the top, and it can, it's yeah. amazing purple. And I need to take that photo to the hairdressers. But apparently, it doesn't last. Uh, no, no, sadly not. Uh, relationship with Ahsoka and Sabine. Yeah, it, it felt like they'd broken that relationship deliberately so that they could have a them getting them back together so you could explain the backstory and give them a relationship arc. Well, the very last shot of Rebels is Ahsoka meeting up with Sabine to begin training. Oh. We we do not see that relationship really? in the animated series at all. It's happened in between. Mm. Yeah. I've never been a fan of Ahsoka's kind of character design, I think. Kind of hair looks like she's wearing a shit octopus <laughs> that went to a festival, got face painted for a laugh. There's something about the, yeah. the, the yeah. hair. I, just... I think that's one of the big struggles with it. The the mm. big head makeup and orange skin that she needs to match her animated character. You're kind of just watching the prosthetics wobble yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. when she's talking to Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I think in episode two, mm. and she's got big green leku 
Uh, and she's she's got green skin and you're like makeup 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 makeup, it kind of feels like she has been forced to wear this as a fancy dress costume to someone's Mm -hmm. birthday party she's not happy about it (laughs) and she's putting her face on as a result but she never feels fully comfortable in it and as an audience member you want someone to fully embrace their character where it just feels like they're holding something back because of it yeah i think there's a reason why all of the star wars films have had a human yeah. As the main character. Yes. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's big tentacled head and then the fighter pilot hat that's clearly just there so they didn't have to do the joins to her <laughs> actual face with makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the first episode and thought, oh, she reminds me of Mary Elizabeth Winstead a bit <laughs> without realising it actually was under the, all the green. <laughs> that's good acting. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late for her to meet Kenobi, isn't it? Unless he turns up as a ghosty. Mm-hmm. It's uh, her real life husband. Ah, yes. Mm. Mm. So Ian, you had some questions for Dan. Uh-oh. Why does this show exist? <laughs> but, but, but before, before the questions, I will say the other thing I'm really liking about it is Ray Stevenson. Uh, yes. The late he's Ray great. Stevenson is playing he's a... He's the best thing in it by yeah. long yeah. Is he Thrawn? He's Big Beard Baddie. Okay. All the spin-off series tend to revolve around really pivotal characters in the, in the battle against the Empire, or not Empire, or the New Order, and that stuff, and... I, I was thinking about um, Star Trek Lower Decks, which deals with the much more lighter side and the smaller mm-hmm. characters in the world. And I was thinking, well, could there be a spin-off series yeah. that's based around the lighter characters, which oh. I'm sure they may well, have, well, well, may well have been. They talked about it a while ago, didn't they? And it got they, they went to pre-production on an animated show that was a little bit like mm. Lower Decks. It's yeah. Like Tales from the... Yes, it's been vaulted, never to be seen. Yeah, there was a trailer and then it went. So bearing in mind the ones that make it out of the vault, <laughs> probably a good thing to keep it locked so, up. Locked in there with the holiday special. Yeah. So anyway, Dan, I've come up with a pitch. Let's okay. imagine you're all Disney Plus now, but Dan, you're the I'll, head. I'll get our new boss, Bob, you're, on the phone. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, he's, he's actually, you are Bob. There's an email from him. Yeah. We have to um, stop talking shit about the show. Good news, our residual checks come in. <laughs> oh. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a pitch for a, a a Star Wars spin-off series. And I'd like you to decide whether you uh-huh. like it to be made or not. Okay. Um, but first of all, I want to give you the title and see if Dan can figure it out from the earlier because Dan is the super expert. The series is called Mad About Me. Hang on. Is this Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Okay. Mad About Me. Is this about Mads Mikkelsen's brother? No. I'll, I'll read you the pitch and then see. In a galaxy far, far away. Aren't they always? Mm-hmm. A dysfunctional group of musicians travel across Tatooine in a battered old hoverbus playing CD bar after CD bar, hoping to be discovered and make their way off this desolate desert world into the big time. Internal rivalries, no sleep, and way too many Dagobah slugslingers soon start to fracture the band. Can they keep it together? That's the basic pitch, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But of course, if Disney wanted to do this, they wouldn't go so. But in a cantina in Moss Eisley, full of scum and villainy, mm. their world has turned upside down as they are approached by Jenny Knight and part-time music promoter Ben Kenobi. <laughs> 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 their dream of playing Darth Vader's birthday party can come true. <laughs> but at a cost, they must help to assassinate Vader and bring down the Empire. Oh. Ooh. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the name of the band? It's figuring down in the modal notes. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the song, the the, the first um, song in the, cantina, in the cantina is called "Mad About Me." Oh, right. I really like that because it's like the premise of a band, you know, and all the, like, all the all the yeah all the relationships between the band. But then there's this underlying premise of they've got to go and kill Darth Vader at his birthday party. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They just want to get they want, just want to get really high and stoned and play music, but then they're dragged into. But this we know world. they're doomed to failure because we know how Darth Vader yeah. dies. Yeah. Oh. Unless they inglorious bastard it. Yeah. yeah. Well, know? we we could just George Lucas it and put them into pivotal <laughs> scenes throughout the trilogy. So while the Emperor's zapping Luke and Vader lifts him up and throws him off, they're just there in the background playing. And as he falls down the, the shaft and Vader dies, they go, oh, did it. <laughs> so when you went to see the John Williams thing where they were mm. playing lots of music, did they, is that what they finished with? The cantina theme? Not falling down a shaft. <laughs> the cantina song. Is that, is that, was that their playoff music? Falling the down the shaft of jizz music. <laughs> Nothing in that is inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> I've also got the um, I've got I've also got the band members. You've got the, oh, the band right, members' okay. names. Okay. Yeah. There's uh, Doik Nats who plays the Dorian Beshamgal. Mm-hmm. 
There's Figrin Daan, who plays the clue horn and gas and string drum. He had a stroke in no. <laughs> <laughs> There's Ichabel Gont, who plays the double do- Jossimer. Yep. And there's uh, Larin Khan, who plays the second clue horn. <laughs> Nalan Chil, who plays the band fill, whatever that is. Uh, uh, Sun Erdi, who plays drums. Tech Moi, who plays Omnibox. And Tedden Dahai, who plays Fanfare. Omnibox. Omnibox. So I went, out for a, I went out for a drink with Ian's partner, Bev, the other day. And she was saying, oh, Ian's so tired, he's working so hard. <laughs> I, I kind of didn't assume it would be that. But <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's... I'm, I'm sold. It sounds like um, Bob's in because he, he, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have to employ any actors to play these guys. He can just use puppets. So, hey, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll be able to sell lots of jizz music off the back of we it. We will. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, jizz is called jizz, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's a musical, right? Yeah. What? The show is a musical. I think there should be, yeah. yeah, yeah. There should be yeah. moments yeah. where they burst into the song. Yeah. Like, like the Concorde style. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing, yeah. 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 And there's lots of jizz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should probably bring Ahsoka to a close. I mean, it's, it's not getting a season two, is it? So it probably is coming to a close. <laughs> it's better than the Book of Boba Fett. Is the next episode being screened in cinemas? Did I hear that? Yes. It is. Because it's probably going to have some flashbacks? It could have some flashbacks. It could have some cameos. It could have mm. some returns. Mm. Presumably some stuff will happen. Bad time. Not a a lot's happened up to this point. All right. So in the final section of the show, Dan has a little something for us. I do. Take it away, Dan. I have recently been reading the new book, The Last Action Heroes by Nick DeSemlian, who a few years ago wrote Wild and Crazy Guys about Mm -hmm. the comedy stars of the 70s and 80s, the Bill Murrays and Steve Martins and Chevy Chases of the world. His latest one is about the action heroes who took over Hollywood from the late 70s through the 80s to the kind of almost death of the genre in the 90s. Hmm. So he focuses on Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, Jackie Chan, Dolph Lundgren, and... Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. <laughs> and he traces them through their career, how the genre really started, how this super macho, hyper-masculine action hero kind of took Hollywood and America by storm through the mid-80s where President Reagan was best friends with Rambo and Schwarzenegger could get any film made because he was in it. And it's a really interesting look at a little phenomenon in Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. So I've got a little quiz based on some of the best one-liners from the action Yay. heroes that feature oh, in Nick Semlin's book, it, it. which if you haven't got it already, it's available now in paperback, in ebook, and if you've seen and enjoyed anything from Rocky to The Terminator to Walker, Texas Ranger, I really recommend picking the book up. It's great. I'm halfway through it and I'm really enjoying it. It's very much it's wild and crazy guys, but with action heroes, it's yeah. a very similar format. Yeah, which is no bad thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you the quote, and you need to tell me who said it. So if you need to scribble down those eight names, it's Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Willis, Norris, Chan, Van Damme, Lundgren, or Seagal. Anyone in the Expendables, basically. Pretty much. So are these lines from films? These are lines from their movies. Are we working as a team? You are working individually. You're going to need a hyper-macho buzzer noise, like an action hero. (laughs) You get a point if you get the answer right. Mm -hmm. Mine's going to be, Chopper! (laughs) Adrian! (laughs) Knock, knock. Fucking macho. That's going to be mine. (laughs) If you get your answer wrong, you can't answer again for that question, but the next person to take a guess gets two points. Those can be, where's the checklist on Vigit Nielsen and Grace Jones? Just... Okay. Guaranteed to get me the point. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure out the rules as we go along. Well, I figured out the rules. I've I've told them so to you, but people keep just saying names of actors over the top. We have the rules. <laughs> yeah. So, quote one. Yep. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Adrian. Oh. That's John. That's a Predator and a Schwarzenegger. That is a Schwarzenegger quote. Correct. That's one point to John. Number two. You're the disease. I'm the cure. Knock, knock. That's Peter. Cobra? I'm looking for the actor. The action oh, hero, that is Stallone. But the movie is Cobra. Do we get yes. a bonus point if we get the film as well? No, I want the action hero. Those were the rules. <laughs> I explained them. <laughs> Be a hero, John. Get it right. That's one point for Peter. Number three, if you come back in, I'll hit you with so many rights, you'll be begging for a left. Adrian. John. Stallone. Incorrect. Oh, Next. fucking that too. Hazel. Norris. That is Chuck Norris. That's two points for Hazel. She is now leading. What, what film was that from? Invasion USA. Never seen it. 
Uh, number four. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Fucking fucking Macho. That is Hazel because Ian forgot his buzzer noise. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Die Correct. Hard two. Die Hard 2. Oh, That's no. three points for Hazel. She is now ahead. Number five. I must break you. Fucking Macho. Oh. That's Hazel. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. That is Lundgren. Rocky 4. Mm-hmm. Hazel now leading with four points to John and Peter's one. Ooh. Ian still Ian's zero. I, zero. I, I, I forgot my, I forgot my buzzer noise. <laughs> yeah. Number six. Rambo is a pussy. Adrian. John. Uh, Squatchenegger. Incorrect. Next person will get two points. Knock, knock. Peter. called Van Damme. It's not Van Damme. Three points. Fucking Matthew. Hazel. Seagal. It's not Seagal. <gasps> no, I think Ian. For four Ian, points. How many's left? Uh, Action heroes. You've got uh, Stallone, Chan, Lundgren, or Norris. And then what, what's the quote? Rambo <laughs> is a pussy. <laughs> Um, He's milking it there. Is it not? Um, 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 uh, was it Chopper? That's my thing, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's one of them four. <laughs> yeah. And it is London. No. Is it not Bruce, it's Bruce Willis, isn't it? No, it's, no. It, it's actually Stallone. Stallone. Oh. In what, sir? Tango and Cash. Ah. Yeah. It's a funny little meta thing. I didn't try to tell me there by mouthing I did, I tried to mouth Stallone and you said London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no points for anyone there. Number seven. I'm going to take you to the bank. To the blood bank. Ooh. Awful. It's pretty bad. Um, chopper. Ian. Chuck Norris. It's not Chuck Norris. Adrian. I'm going to say Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's not Van Damme. Uh, fucking match Is it Seagal? It's Steven Seagal. Yeah. That's if three more shit, points for Hazel. <laughs> yeah. That was in Hard to Kill. Steven yeah. Seagal does not come across very well in the book, I will say. No. Very quietly, so he doesn't or kick me. Or as a human being. Am I on seven? You're on seven. Ooh. One, one and zero. <laughs> I think you might have won. <laughs> uh, number eight, welcome to the party, pal. No, but it's no. fucking Macho. Oh, that's Hazel again. It's Bruce Willis. It's Bruce Willis. Yeah. She's like running away with it. Yeah. That's that die hard. That is die yeah. hard. Uh, number nine, hunting season is over. Oh, Adrian. That's Peter. Schwarzenegger. It's not Schwarzenegger. Uh, Van Damme. It's John called Van Damme in Hard Target. Well, that that's one. two more points for John. John Woo, isn't it? Yeah. John Woo's first American film, hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can put this in at the private place, but um, welcome to the party, pal, was what we put at the start of our wedding to oh. welcome people in. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, number it 10. was really, really good when the groom got thrown off the top of the building, <laughs> wasn't it? That's why he's yeah. not here this week. Yeah, and then the, the bride and groom had to walk over broken glass <laughs> to get to the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's two years ago and he's still going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number 10. Don't let the situation change you, change it. Fucking match Jackie Chan. It is Jackie Chan. Mm. In Rumble in the Bronx. Number 11. I have the power. Adrian. That's, um, that's Dolph Lundgren it in is, Masters of the Universe. It is Dolph Lundgren. That's another point for John, um, who I think is now at five points to Hazel's nine. How am I doing? You still have zero, but this last think. question this could change is everything. 15 points. Oh, wow. okay. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Uh, number 12. Let off some steam, Bennett. Up chip, chip, chopper. <laughs> yes. That's got to be Schwarzenegger. It is Schwarzenegger in commando. 15 points Yay! to Ian. He wins. <laughs> but in another more accurate world, Hazel wins. Awesome. <laughs> um, That's right. The least macho of them puts all. He like, throws them onto the big steam pipe, broken steam pipe yeah. thing, and then it's off of steam. It's shameful gap. I've never, right. never seen commander. Oh. You've showed he kills a lot of people in it. That was a very fun quiz. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yes. And you have proven yourself the biggest Great. action movie fan of them all. I do love an action film, too. Yeah. Quite right. Because you're like, a fucking macho. Fucking macho. <laughs> we, we watched the first Total Recall again last night, and it's still great. It is great, isn't it? Yeah. Favourite so, favorite one-liner from Total Recall? Consider this a divorce. Mm. So what did your sort of mid-teen... So we had a 15-year-old and a... I think he's... 12 now, maybe? So the 12-year-old thought it was better than Robocop, which says more about the parenting of the 12-year-old. We'd love to watch both those films. <laughs> How old were you when you saw Robocop? I was about seven or eight. I think. Yeah, um... <laughs> Never did hit yes. the arms. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because they were watching it and they were laughing at some of the effects and everything, which not dated well. But then there was a big, long discussion afterwards and going on today as to whether it was all a dream or not. And so they were obviously quite into it because they were giving, they were having some like proper discussion as to. <laughs> yeah. There's such dodgy effects in that movie, aren't there? It's hilarious. It's the, you know, back with the old lady when he's hidden inside the old lady. Yeah. yeah. They put on the face, it opens up. That's what they're But well, it's, they're it's, good at the time. 
I think you look at the time, yeah. yeah, but the end scene when they're out, like, you're trying to breathe in Mars atmosphere before the... Oh, yeah. And then the face just goes back to normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's horrible bulging eyeballs that can look like bursting. Oh, it's like one of those stress toys where you squeeze yeah, yeah. it, the eyes <laughs> pop out. <laughs> I think what they found really funny all the way through was how any slight thing hitting something caused a massive explosion. So mm. like a tiny <laughs> electric car hitting a wall and it's like a nuclear bomb's gone off. <laughs> That is all for this episode of Nerdfest. We'd love to know what you think to this new format, so do get in touch with us on our socials. We're at Nerdfest UK on Facebook and Twitter. Still can't call it X, sorry. <laughs> you can also leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. John, what is this week's incentive for leaving us a review? Well, I'll uh, come and I'll pick you up and I'll take you to a special secluded beach where we can grow all together very, yeah. very rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, you've been listening to... A man who's just realised that everyone else looks like Rory Kinnear. A man who's just had his joke stolen by the person before. (laughs) (laughs) A man who doesn't care if Ellie's lost a wristwatch. I'm not putting my arm in there. (laughs) A man who wants to hang out with Mr. DNA. The true star of the movie. (laughs) Indeed. And a fucking macho. Clever girl. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Let me just see if I can. Hartnell, Troughton, Pertwee, Baker, Davison, Baker, Mutton.